Come on, somebody. Today's message is entitled, Being and Doing in the Kingdom of God. Now, I want you to get this today. Being and doing in the Kingdom of God. What you're going to learn is who you need to be in God's kingdom, who you need to be like, what you need to be, and then you're going to learn what you need to do. Everybody say being and doing. Okay, we're going to learn about the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, if you're there, say I'm there. John chapter 3 teaches us probably the most important truth of the whole Bible That unless a person is born again, they cannot see the what? There you go. See, we got to start off by telling you what the kingdom of God is. John chapter 3, verse 3. If you're there, say, I'm there. Thank you. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Everybody say, born again. Now, this is a subject that we can never get tired about uh, talking about in this church. Ricky, I need some water today. My throat is is messing with me. Come on, somebody stretch their hand toward me and say, be healed. I receive it in Jesus' name. How many are fighting those colds today? Amen. Be healed. Sheikaboomba. Get out. Virus. Healing come. Come on, somebody. I just need to be healed. That's all I need. Just a healer. Just one touch and I'm healed. Amen. We need to know this principle, born again, what it means, and never forget it. When you were born into this world, your mom and dad gave you a physical birth. Now, that day that you were born physically, you didn't have anything to do with it, did you? You weren't in there going, come on, mom, push, push, you can make it happen. When you were forming or being formed in the womb, you didn't say, arm, come right here, grow out. No, you had no control. Everybody say, no control. When you were born in the flesh, you had no control. You were not in any shape or form involved in the process. And yet, when you were born, you were born a sinner. Isn't that unfair? You were born a sinner. And I've heard the story told a hundred times. I've even told it here that you'll see a little child and it already knows how to lie. And I said before, who's teaching those children how to lie? I would like to find those mothers and tell them to stop doing that. But you know what? They know on their own, don't they? How about self, <coughs> excuse me, selfishness in the heart of a child? They have it right there in their heart. Who teaches those children to go, mine, mine? We can't find that culprit, can we? Otherwise, we would lock them up. And I learned this so much now with Bethany. Just yesterday, here's the set of stairs right there in my kitchen. She crawls right over to it. Little old cute Bethany, 10 months old, crawls right to it, puts her hand on one step. And she's old enough now and strong enough to go up high enough just to hurt herself. She'll go up about two steps and tumble right back. And usually I'm there to catch her. But yesterday we were having a bachelor's party and I couldn't get over there. So I said, Bethany, no. And she looked over at me and and she looked around and I said, no, Bethany. And you know what she did? She pointed her finger back at me and shook her head smiling. And then you know what she did? Turned her head back right around and then tried to climb up those steps. And we have a rule in our house that the first time you come, slap her hand, no, and then you pull her away. So we're disciplining our child. Ten months old, no, slapped her hand, pulled her away like a good parent. Then I start hanging out with the guys. Guess what? Crawled right back over there. Went through the same scenario again. No, Bethany. Looked at me. 
smiled, shook her head, and then just crawled right up the stair. And then I had to put her into her, her little playpen. Somebody say, we're born sinners. You see, I love Bethany, but disobedience is in the heart of a child. It's in their heart. And that was in your heart. And there's the evidence. Nobody's taught that child right from wrong. Nobody's taught that child how to lie or steal or be manipulative or mock me as a parent. The child has it in this heart. And that shows nothing. It's not the fault of the child. It's not their fault. They're born a sinner. Well, whose fault is it? You go all the way back to Adam and Eve. You learn that when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, this day you shall surely die. If you eat of this tree, you will die. What happened that day they ate of it? Did their body fall over dead? No. So we know their body didn't die. Did their soul die? Well, your souls, your mind, your will, and your emotions, did they just like click out and their brain go dead? No. What died that day? Their spirit, because you're a body that has a soul. That gets life from the Spirit. And so that day their spirit died. And then that's when they realized they're naked. Why? Because when God was in their life, the glory of the Lord shone like a light bulb and they couldn't even look at their flesh. Just like I can't see the glass on these light bulbs because the light's so bright. That's what life is supposed to be, not even needing clothes. But once the light went out, whoo, what's going on here? They realized they were naked. And not even that, they were ashamed. And there was just a husband and a wife. It wasn't like everybody in the class, fifth grade class, was looking at them or something. No, they were by themselves and they still felt ashamed. See, that's a part of our sinful nature, feeling shame. And what's the point? Then God says that's the death of sin. And how did they die? They died that day in their spirit, spiritually. In their soul, they began to die corruptive. Uh, uh, they began to have corruptive thoughts. Their, their mind began to deceive them. They became deceived. Remember with Cain killing Abel, he thought in himself, if I kill Abel, I'll be okay. See, sin began to saturate his soul. And then what does sin do to the body? It eventually kills it. You don't live forever, do you? Everybody here has an appointment with death. Can't get out of that one. So sin brings death First to the spirit, then to the soul, then to the body. But is that the end of the story? Where do you go after your body dies? What happens? Does your soul and spirit remain in the grave? Or do you go to heaven or hell? Well, the Bible teaches there's a judgment, a heaven or a hell. And if you go to John chapter 3, you now learn how to get into the kingdom. Well, here's the thing. You don't wait till you die to get into the kingdom. You need to get into the kingdom right now. Hello, somebody. You don't wait to go uh, get you don't wait till you're in India to get your visa and passport. You get it now. You need to get your passport into heaven. And what is that passport called? Being born again. Well, Nicodemus was a religious leader and he didn't even know what that meant. He looked back at Jesus, verse 4, and you have to understand this. I always love telling people this on the streets. Some of you have heard it before, but just listen to it again and see the humor in this. Verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. How many know that would be a little bit messy? If a grown man tried to go into his mother's womb, hello, somebody. You're all so spiritual on Sunday, you don't even think about it. Think about it. That's how goofy it sounded to Nicodemus. He said it. I didn't say it. And then God put it in there. shows you he has a sense of humor. No grown man is going back up in his mother's womb. Gross, sick, disgusting, could not happen. And all the mothers said, Amen. Aren't you glad you're not a part of the second birth? Hallelujah. 
Now listen, here it is. The first birth, you had nothing to do with it. You put in no effort, remember? And also, you didn't form yourself in the womb, did you? The second birth is the same way. You see, the same way it was unfair the first time, now it's unfair the second time. You know why? Because you don't become good enough to become a Christian. You'll never do it. Who took the punishment for all your sins? Jesus did, and that was unfair. But he did it so you could be saved, so that you could be a new person. Who makes you a new person? Jesus. Who makes new attitudes? Who makes new ways of thinking? Jesus. And where does it first start? It starts in your spirit. You accept Christ into your life. You know that the Holy Ghost is in you, and you're alive. Then what does it do? It starts to change your soul, changes your thinking, thinking, baby. Makes you start to think about God. You go about different things. And then what happens in your body? Your body, at the Bible says, at death, gets resurrected on judgment day and so in the end in the kingdom of God you'll have the spirit you'll have a perfect mind and a perfect body living forever with God in glory he takes back everything the devil stole somebody say take it back in Jesus name see that's what it means to be in the kingdom of God you're born again and you've experienced the kingdom now go with me to Luke chapter 17 verse 20 Luke chapter 17 verse 20 is going to teach you where the kingdom of God is. Because during the time of Jesus and the Jewish people, they thought that the kingdom of God was just an earthly kingdom. They were looking for a kingdom like David was a king of the Israelites. But now Jesus is going to tell them where the kingdom is. If you're there, say I'm there. Come on, Luke 17, verse 20. It reads, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is where? Is within you. So where did Jesus teach the kingdom of God would be? Point to that place. Right here within you and me. So let's think about this. You can't enter into the kingdom unless you're what? Born again. And how are you born? Of the Spirit. And where is that kingdom? It's right in here. That's being a part of the kingdom. Now, if you have your citizenship, if you have your uh, identification, your passport, you know, you'll have the seal of the Holy Ghost. And that's the lesson we talked about last week. You'll have the Holy Ghost comfort you and guide you. And Jesus will be with you. And the Father will be with you. Where? Through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so everywhere you go, you're in the kingdom. You're going through a trial. You're in the kingdom. You may be going through a sickness. You're in the kingdom. Why? Because God is in you, walking with you through all the trials of life. And He says, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil, for His rod and staff will comfort you. Hello! And in the presence of your enemies, He'll prepare a table before you. And the Bible then says, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Why? Because you're in the kingdom. Good things follow you. Mercy follows you. See, good is good. Mercy is for things that went bad. When they go wrong, you're like, mercy, Lord. It's following you. And then good is just good. So the Bible says, goodness, mercy, everywhere you go. You're in the kingdom. And where is it? It's right here. Now, I want you to understand there's two major concepts in the kingdom. One is being. Everybody say being. Do it like this. Being. One more time. Being. Okay, you got to like get in. Yeah, being. Okay. We're going to now describe what the Bible teaches us and who we're supposed to be now. 
Okay? So I am now going to give you four things you are to be in the kingdom. And it's not like I need to try harder so I can be these things. No, you're, you are these things when you ask God to make you these things. Because you're in the kingdom. Are you all with me? When you're in the kingdom, that means you have a king, by the way, and his name is King Jesus. And when you ask him to be these things, he will give it to you. How many can testify that? Can you say amen? I've seen God do it in my life. Now, let's start right here. Luke 18, verse 16. We need to be like a child. You see, in the kingdom of God, we need to be like a child. Luke chapter 18 is going to teach us the concept that there are things in the kingdom that you will not receive screaming, jumping, shouting. There are things you will only receive as a child. So you need to be a child. What is the hardest thing for people who are mature to be? A child. Now, some people may act like a child, and that's a problem. But I'm saying I have bills. I live in a house. I have car uh, insurance, all of these different things. You know how hard that is to shut that off? You know, come on. We think about that every day. And rightly so. That's our responsibility. But when I come to God, is it right for me to come to God with this long list? God, and by the way, we need insurance. We need the house note pay. We need this. No, how about I just come to God like a child? Papa, you know all this right here? Can you just help me pay for this? You see, that's like a child. You're saying, why should we be that way? You see, because when you lived at home with your parents, at that age of a child, most of you never worried about where the food was going to come from. And those of you who did, that was, that was tragic. That was not good because parents should have provided or maybe went through a hard situation. But listen, I grew up in a family, never knew where that stuff came from. You know, I thought it grew on trees. Dad comes home in a nice car, never thought where that car came from. Mom's got food cooking. I just thought the refrigerator just produced food. You know what I'm saying? She opens it up and then she puts it in that one place and pulls it out and there it is. How many know what I'm talking about? You just grew up like that as a child. I'm not talking as a teenager when you got a smart mouth and think you knew everything. I'm talking about when you and I were children, four or five years old. How many thought that your parents could buy the whole toy store? Hello? All the G.I. Joes, could your parents, and, and they were always just being mean because they didn't want to get it. Hello? Okay. You see the difference. Let me tell you the difference. You see, we as adults, we all know what we can do. And we rely upon ourselves. But to be blessed in the kingdom... You can't rely upon yourself. You have to be like a child and rely upon God. Look at Luke uh, 18, 16. It says, but Jesus called the little children to him and said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the what? The kingdom of God. Say like you're up. One, two, three. The kingdom of God. Thank you. Belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Why is life so hard for us at times? Because we want to be in control. Walking by faith is letting go of control. It's saying, God, you are in control. I'm a child. You're the father. You take care of it. Let me just give you a quick example of this. I remember when I was growing up, my dad's business was failing, and I was moving from the age of being a child to a young teenager. And every day my dad would go there, and he was losing money, tens of thousands of dollars. People were stealing from him. The company across the street, the other gas station, was outbidding him and gas prices, and people were going there. And I remember that my dad brought me there, and I could see the stress on his face and, and the anxiety and, and I could just tell that, you know, business wasn't good. And he shared just a, just a smidgen with me. 
And I remember, you know, thinking to myself, wow, this, this is so big. I, I, I need to help, but I can't do anything. You, you know what I'm talking about? A kid trying to fix adult problems. And then I just started playing with my toys. And I said, well, my dad will figure it out. Seriously. And I just forgot about it. And then time went on. And guess what? My dad figured it out. I kept living in the same house, kept eating the same food, and eventually everything worked out for my dad, praise God. And I'm not saying if you lose a house, you're not having faith. I'm just saying my example as a child was this. I worried about it. I realized I couldn't change one iota of a thing in that business. And I just went on and trusted my dad that my dad would do it. How many of you just need to do that today? Come on, how many of you just need to stop trying to tell God what he needs to do? Well, God, you need to do this, and God, you need to just sit back and relax and let God do it. I mean, I'm preaching to the preacher this morning. You know how many times I've told God how we could build this church faster? I mean, I've got the plan. God, come on, if you just did this and this, God, come on, we could do this. And you know what God is saying? Son, mijo, dito, just relax. I got this. And I want to encourage you. Being in the kingdom, to be the right person in the kingdom, you know what you start off with? Being a child. Because the moment you try to carry daddy's responsibilities, you won't go very far. The moment you start stomping around the house telling everybody that you're the man, that's a sign you're not the man, husbands. Come on. But the moment you hit your knees, you teach your children how to pray, you become faithful in the little, and you just you know, plug away and don't give up, God will show Himself in the midst, and you'll look like a hero to your family. Why? Because you trusted God for the victory. And it's the same thing for everybody else here in every stage of our life. Always remember this. Our relationship in the kingdom is we are not, co, uh, uh, we are not the co-vice president with Jesus. We're not His vice president. Okay, we're not his cabinet. What we are is his children. That's the attitude. Okay, so when things go wrong, who do you need to be? You need to be like a child. Yes, we're responsible in all of our things. Yes, the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. All of those principles are true. You see, but what I'm saying is when you do that and you realize that those things still don't work, is you do all of that, but then you trust God. That's called being like a child. Amen? That's a tough one to wrap your mind around, but we can do it. Go now to being filled with uh, patience, with joy, and the Holy Ghost. Romans fourteen seventeen. I wish I could spend the whole day on being a child because I know it's tough. I know in the back of our minds we just think we can do it, we can do it. But you know what? You can't heal cancer. Even the smartest doctor can't cause all of the problems for us to go away. But God can give us peace to go through. And now I want to talk to you about how do we go through these things like a child? Are we just ignorantly, naively going through life? No, God is filling us with pay. Uh, this is what God is filling. I'll read it right here. Verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves in Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. So what's, what are we being filled with while we're being children in God's house? Right here, righteousness. Do you know what the opposite of righteousness is? Unrighteousness. You want a list of those things that are unrighteous? Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 21. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, and get the definition of what's unrighteous. Because God's going to fill you with righteousness. Like a child. He will do it. You didn't form yourself. You didn't feed yourself when you were a baby. Somebody did it for you. This is what God does for you. 
It says, verse 16 of chapter 5, Galatians, So I say then, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. So how many here want to live holy? Come on, how many here want to live right? How many here know that you can't do that? How many know that you fail that quite often? How many men have... I'm only with my hand raised. That's okay. That's why I'm the pastor. Okay, that's all right. Just look at me. How many men have said, I'm going to stop lusting, but the next day you're still lusting? How many girls said that you're going to stop lusting and you're still lusting? How many people here said you weren't going to be greedy, but you were still greedy? How many people here said you weren't going to lose your temper, but you still lost your temper? How many people here said you never tell a lie, and that was the first lie you told right there? Come on. How many of you have made some mistakes in life? Keep them up. Come on. Okay. You know what? You know what the solution is? Be like a child and let daddy make you the man he wants you to be or the woman he wants you to be. Because he says right here, not me, but he says, if you live by the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. I want you to think about the spirit being the hand that leads you around like a child. So when I say to Bethany, I say, Bethany, come here with me. I don't say, Bethany, I'll meet you across the street. Hello? Okay. If I said to Bethany right now, Bethany, I'm going to the Carrasco's house. I'll see you there. How many know she's going to get hurt? How many know she's going to destroy her own life? And that's going to be my fault for neglecting her. God doesn't say, hey, don't sin and I'll see you in heaven. You know, I'll see you up there, guys. Just don't do anything bad on your way up there because you can't get in if you have any sin. Because that's the truth. One sin, you can't get in. He doesn't say, okay, you got now 80 years to live. I'll see you up there, guys. No, you know what he does? Just like I'll do with Bethany. Come on, Bethany. Let's go. Start walking with her. See, like a child. See, I want to get this in your mind today. You need to be like a child. The Spirit puts out His hand. Think of this. Puts out His hand and says, walk with me. And in the middle of your temptation, the Spirit says, don't do that. How many have heard the voice of the Spirit? And they're not even talking about your conscience because I was okay with cussing in my conscience. I was okay at lusting in my conscience. There was a lot of sins that I felt right about. A lot of people want to confuse the Holy Ghost with the conscience. Because they say, you know what, my conscience tells me right from wrong. Listen to me, baby. I had no problem lusting in my conscience. I didn't go to bed that night and go, oh, I'm such a whoremonger. Lust all the time. What's wrong with me? Hello? When I beat somebody up, I didn't go home and go, I'm just such a bad guy. Who's going to slap me around? I went home. I thought I was tough. I was like, yeah, I'll do it again. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. There are things in your conscience, because here's the opposite. You'll be doing evil, and you'll say, I don't feel anything wrong with that. Oh, I watch rated R movie, but I'm okay. I do this, I'm okay. I live in adultery, I'm okay. No, because that's your conscience. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about one wrong look at your wife, and God says, you're looking at her with an attitude. Go tell her you love her. I'm talking about one wrong thing you said about your neighbor. You were talking in church to somebody, and you said something. God said, hey, don't say that. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. Why? Because He'll take you by the hand. Because you and I don't know no better. We don't know no better. That's what I say to Bethany. She don't know no better. Look at her drooling on herself, pooping on herself. She don't know no better. And you got to say, no, 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 better. You got to say it just like, no, no, no. You got to say it like that. Because it's like you feel sorry for Odito. She just don't know no better. Look at her. And God looks at us the same way. Oh, look at you cussing. You just don't know no better. Take me by the hand. That's what he says. And I'm not telling you he's belittling us. He's treating us as we really are. We're children. 
He's billions of years old. He's been doing this a lot longer than us. He's a lot bigger than us. He's stronger than us. And he says, take my hand. If you walk with me, you won't sin like you used to. Praise God. Help me, Jesus. Verse 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. How many feel that fight going on? They're in conflict with each other. Now, let me just pause right here. What do we see in our mind when I say this? We see a devil on this side and an angel on this side, right? That's actually Islamic theology that says you have a devil with you everywhere you go, a demon, and you have an angel, and both one is tugging you. No, 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 no. Let, let me help you out here. The angel, in this case, is God. That's the spirit talking to you. And guess what that devil is? It's you. Oh, 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 oh I offended some of you. Look right here. It says, verse 17, the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. So if you want to know a battle going on, it's not God and the devil. It's you and God. It's that Bethany saying, no, that's what's going on. That's the, the devil's just been pimp slapped, stepped on, spit on. He's a defeated foe. Come on. He can't make you do it. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You got up, opened up BigHooters.com on the Internet, looked at it, and did what you did. Hello, the devil didn't make you do that. Hello. My friends, be led by the Spirit. Why? Because your flesh and the Spirit are fighting each other. But if you, the Bible says, if you are led, verse 18, by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now here it goes, verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. So if you don't get it, here they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. As I warned you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here it is. But the fruit of the Spirit. Hello, do you make a tree grow? No, you don't. You just plant a seed. You might water a little bit, but you don't make it grow. Think of fruit in your life. The Spirit is the tree. What does it do? It grows love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Walk with the Spirit, you'll have love. Walk with the Spirit, you'll have joy. Like a child taking the Spirit by the hand, saying, God, lead me. Why? Because we are children. If you believe it, can you say amen? Now go with me to concluding who we are supposed to be. Luke 18. Luke 18. You need to become a part of a new family. See, you're a child, but you got brothers and sisters. There ain't nothing wrong with the ones you got. Matter of fact, there is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Something wrong with all of our brothers and sisters. Why? Because they were born sinners like us. But I should say there's nothing more wrong about yours than there is about mine or anybody else's. But you are now a part of a new family. Somebody say a new family. So you're a child. You're being led by God, the Spirit. You're not uh, going after the things of the flesh. And look what it says in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 29. I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the what? Come on, no, no mumbling in here. Shout it out. For the sake of the what? 
kingdom of God, thank you, will receive to me to to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come. What will they receive many of? Houses, mothers, fathers, children. You see, I want to tell you something. Now that you are a child in the kingdom, you are a part of another family. I have three siblings, and I say had because I lost my one sister to drinking and driving. She's gone. Now I only have two left. My brother, my other sister. Both of them have struggled with alcoholism. Both of them have had multiple partners and marriages and kids, and it's just out of hand. And my nephew just got arrested, drugs in his possession, high, all of these things. My friend, this is my family. That was the family I was born into. But when I got born again... Hallelujah. And I became a child of the Lord. I got this handsome brother, Ishmael, is my brother. I got Ricky to be my brother. I got Rachel and Robin, their wives, to be my sisters. Hello, Eddie Berta. I could go here all day long. Are you all listening to this? That's your identity now. I'm not saying you look at your family, you know, you don't like them and hate them and do mean things to them. What I am saying is if they're not born again, they're not in the family of God yet. And you cannot identify with them. Why? Because those are the first people in our earthly life we identify with for all the reasons we were talking about. They fed us. They, they picked on us. They were our friends. You know, our wives. They were our comfort. Well, the moment you become born again, if your wife's not born again and you go to her, she's not going to comfort you. Children, you used to go to your parents about everything. If they're not born again, I'm not saying keep secrets, especially things that would be harmful in life. But if you, you used to go to your mom and talk about dating and it was all, you know, good laughs and giggles, and now you come to your mom, I'm going to be the virgin the rest of my life and I'm not going to get married until I'm 30, whatever. She may be happy, but she might think you're a little crazy. Especially if your mom is on her third relationship living with a man she's not married to. And same thing with men. You know, you, you may have a father that you've always gone to for advice, but now he kicks back a 12-pack and you go to him and say, I don't want to drink anymore. You see, that becomes problems in our family. And what is Jesus' solution? He says, I got a new family for you. People who are not identified to you because of a physical birth, but who are identified to you as a spiritual birth. And I thank God for people like that in my life. Because all I had, fortunate enough, praise the Lord, a mom and dad who did serve the Lord, but other than that, nobody served the Lord. All my friends didn't serve the Lord. My relatives out here, I used to live with my sister in Naperville, get high in her house. She didn't serve the Lord. So you know what? I started going to an all-night prayer meeting. And you know who I met there? A guy named Donald. And he worked at the prayer meeting at the late night shift and he would pray and speak in tongues and he was so excited about Jesus. And one day I sat down and talked to Donald. You know what I found out about Donald? Is Donald used to walk with a cane because he was that old, but God had healed him and he didn't walk with a cane anymore. And he would tell everybody that testimony and I would love being with him. But you know what? Donald was an old man and he lived in a nursing home. And so, you know, here you got this 18-year-old guy, ears pierced, you know, long hair, crazy, rebellious teenager, only been saved a few months, and now who's my best friend? Donald. And guess where I used to go? After dropping off pizzas, I worked pizza delivery, perfect party job, get down around 10 or 11, party just getting started. That's how I used to live till 3, 4 in the morning, sun comes up, hello. Now I get done at 12 in the morning, what do I do? Head over to Donald's house. And you know what Donald and I used to do? Just sit and talk about God. We would hang out. And before I went to Bible college, I was so afraid of going to Bible college, losing him as my friend and not being around my parents. And I just remember him telling me this scripture. I've memorized it since then. And I love it now. And I've told it to so many people. But he was the first one to ever tell me this. He said, you know what? God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. 
He said, you can make it. And man, I'll tell you what, that felt better than playing football and a hundred people saying, make a touchdown, score a goal in soccer. All my friends skateboarding, you can ollie over that car, whatever. I am telling you, man, that one guy down will look at me in the eye and say, hey, you can do it, brother. Here's the word of God. Encourage me. And I want to encourage you to find brothers and sisters and mother and father figures in this church and mothers and fathers find children figures in this church and develop a new family because you belong to the family of God now. Amen. So in summary, there are things in the kingdom that you need to be to be successful. You need to be born again. Then you need to be like that child. Be led through life and join your new family. If you want to be a child in the kingdom of God, can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now let's go to doing. Let's go to the next point, doing. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Now that you're being in the kingdom of God, a child. What are you supposed to do? Now, here's where it gets fun. You see, in our relationship to God, we are a child. But in relationship to the devil, we are a terror. I want to say that again. In relationship to God, we are a child. But in this world, to the forces of darkness, we are a terror. You know what? You can think about it. Like any major fighter you can think of. You know, I love these football players. A lot of them have these cute little mamas, you know. They're big guys, cute little mama, hug them. But when they get on those pads and they get on that field, they will crush you, baby. Do not get in their way. And that's the same way it is with God. When we're with God, we are lovey-dovey Jesus. Nobody like you. I, I fall in love with you. I use language with God. That's romantic language with God. I tell him how much I love him. Dance with me, my king. I mean, I'm the bride. He's whisking me away. I'm telling you, it's beautiful. Amen. Hallelujah. All heterosexual love, though. All hetero. And I just love him. Romance. The great romance, right? But then when I step out the prayer closet, I'm ready to whoop the devil in Jesus' name. I'm ready to take some things back that belong to me. Amen. I'm ready to go out there and win some souls. I'm ready to be a leader to the community that I live in. I'm ready to be a husband to my wife and, and to be a father to my children. You see, now comes the doing. But remember, you don't start off with, I'm going to do, do, do. No, you become, you become, you become, you become like a child. You become like a child. Then you go out and do it. Why? Because you've realized you can't do it by yourself. There's nothing in your own strength. It's all in God leading you, leading you. Now you can take on the world. Come on. Matthew 11. I'm excited. Are you getting excited? One of my favorite verses. And brother, get ready to uh, change the translations because it's going to get good. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 11. Look at the NIV first. Talking about John the Baptist and what type of a man he was. Matthew 11, verse 11. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven. Everybody say the kingdom of heaven. It's the same interchangeable word of kingdom of God. Because where does God live? Okay, there it's the same thing. Kingdom of heaven. That the, and by the way, the reason why they didn't say God is because the Jewish people didn't say God. And Matthew's writing to Jewish people, so they substituted heaven for God. That's why. Okay. He says, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay a hold of it. Now put that for me, my brother, in the King James. The Bible says that since the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. 
Do you know that the Bible says the church will be built and the gates of hell will not prevail? How many of you right now, if I, if I said, we are locked in this place and we can't get out, and all of a sudden there's a fire in that room right there, would you all just stay in here or would you force your way out of here? How many men would start picking up chairs, throwing them through those windows? How many would start kicking them down? You see, the devil wants you to stay right here, and he doesn't want you to go win any souls. He doesn't want you to change any lives, and he doesn't want you to move out this building. See, the devil doesn't mind so much that we get together once a week. He doesn't mind if we clap our hands every now and then. But what he doesn't want you to do is get out there and change the world. So what the gates do, the Bible says the gates keep you away from helping people. Or imagine if you were storming a city, and in front of that city was a gate, and there were your loved ones, and these people had taken your loved ones, and they had raped and pillaged them, and there they are suffering, and there's this little old gate right in front of you. How many wouldn't just bum rush that gate? Like Lord of the Rings, take that big old thing, poof, poof, knock that gate down. Come on. Do I have anybody here worth fighting with? Anybody want to fight with me? Come on, I want to get it on. You would tear down that gate, wouldn't you? Look at it here in the King James. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. We're not talking about being Dito now with the devil. Devil, may I please have my job back? No. Give it back in Jesus' name. See, there are things you say in Jesus' name that gets done. When I talk to Jesus, I don't have to command Him. I ask Him. You understand? Jesus, bless me. I don't have to say, bless me, I command you. Are you listening to me? But when I talk to this world, when I talk to the evil principalities of this world, I command them in Jesus' name. You command them in Jesus' name. You see a wayward child, you see somebody not living right, command them to come back in Jesus' name. Pray for them, Satan, loose them in the name of Jesus. And say it like you mean it, amen? Praise God, because it says the violence shall take it by force. Now, right here in the message, I want you to see the contrast. Before we get into these next points, I want you to see the contrast. There are some things in the kingdom you will only receive by being. Being a child. Then there are some things in the kingdom you will only receive by doing. Doing. Taking it over in Jesus' name. Do you get the contrast? So don't get them confused. Don't try to do the things you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be holy. You can't do anything to make yourself holy. You can't change yourself. Get over it. You can't. It's impossible. But God can do it. You get it? But you can kick down the devil's door and pray. You can go out and witness and preach. Let me get a church to say amen. Come on. Now put it in the amplified version. Look at this. This just gets me excited right here. Amplified version is a version of the Bible that takes the rich, colorful language of the Greek language. Because it, just like in Spanish, when you translate from Spanish to English, sometimes it it's loses its meaning. The Greek has five different words just for love. We say love. I love a hamburger. I love my friend. And I love my wife. How many know those are different types of love? How many know I don't love a hamburger in the same way I love my wife? But how many have ever said that I love a hamburger? You know why? Because we only say one word for love. The Greek has agape, phalo, eros. How many know what eros means? That means romantic, erotic love. Agape, unconditional. Philo, Philadelphia, brotherly love. Hello, I don't love ish the same way I love my wife. Thank you, Jesus. In the Greek, I would say I philio ish, I eros, Nancy. Ah. 
Woo! Okay, going back to the translation, giving you some explanation. Here it is. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of God has endured violent assault. And violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Somebody said, that's amplified. Come on, you need to have some zeal in your heart today. You need to have some intense exertion in God's kingdom. You just can't say, well, let it happen if it happens. If God really wants to change me, He'll do it. I'm just His child. No, He said there are some things you're supposed to do and you're supposed to be intense and be violent about it. Hallelujah. Woo! Now, what's the first thing you're supposed to do? You're supposed to do great works and power. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. You are supposed to do works and power. Where does the power come from? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gives you the power to do good works. You want to change the world? Get the Holy Ghost. You want to see your family change? Get the Holy Ghost. We're seeing that happen every day in this ministry. There are different testimonies happening, whether it's us debating the cults, the power of the Holy Ghost, whether it's our youth ministry casting out demons, the power of the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians chapter four, verse 20 said that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of what and what? Oh, I'm sorry. That's, I thought I was going to say a demonstration. That's the other one I'm going to. It says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of Power. Now turn to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. Just a few chapters over and see what, it, what Paul said he made Christianity to be. It wasn't a philosophical argument. It wasn't just a good-looking guy on Sunday sharing a message. It is more than that. It's power. Somebody say power. Power is where we get the word dynamite from. Dunamis in the Greek. Dunamis. Explosive power. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God, for I resolved to know nothing, nothing, not a zilch, zippo, when I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Why? I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom but on God's power. How many want the power? Somebody say, I've got the power. Come on, shout it out to your neighbor. Say, I've got the power. And where's the power at? Living right in here. Living right in here. You see, there are some things you've got to be. You've got to be a child. You've got to humble yourself. And then there are things you've got to do. You've got to receive that power from on high and go out and exert it in intense force. You know that. You want to be a leader on your job? Ask God to give you the Holy Ghost power to be a leader. You say, Pastor, that sounds so cliche. Hello, let me help you. Let me help you. Hello. Presidents of the United States used to pray for the power to lead our nation. Hello, inventors used to pray to cure diseases and to invent things. You know, we're the first cocky generation to ever get up out of bed and think we can do it without his power. And God forbid. Get rid of that thinking, hello? Because I'll just ask my God to take away your oxygen for a few moments, and then you'll realize how much you really got, okay? I'm so sick and tired of atheists telling us, oh, well, we're atheists, we don't believe in God, and we can still tie our shoe. Not without God's air, you can't. 
Hello, I'm not a dummy. I understand the guy can run a touchdown and so can the other guy. But the one who gets down on his knee and points to heaven realizes he's running on the legs and the ground, breathing the air that God has given him. That's where it comes from. And he's knowing it inside that I do nothing without God. You see, to me, my friends, if you want to change the world, get the power of God. I've heard pastors say that my people are right now in this recession are depressed and they're hurting. And I'm not saying there aren't real problems in the congregation. But my goodness, people, we have a God who's on the throne. Test Him and see. He is powerful. I know in schools they're teaching you you came from animals. I know that all across this society there's a million and one things, but our God is stronger than every single one of them. He's stronger than drug addiction. He's stronger than spousal abuse. He is stronger than the child that's been abused that now hates themselves. He's stronger than anorexia. He's stronger than cigarette smoke. He is stronger than greed and lust and all of the wickedness of this world. And He can help you get an A in class too, students. He can help you study. And He can help you get good grades. I don't take a test without praying, glory to God. I don't study without praying. Oh, to God that teachers would pray before class again and that we would actually take the pledge and mean it. One nation under God. That's where it comes from. It's always been that way with the successful people. Atheists are only successful in this world, then they go to hell, so they're not very successful, okay? It's always worked that way. Those who do the most for God recognize their power comes from Him. I wish I had some quotes right now because so many great men that you and I would just look up to and go, ooh, wow, really? Come on. They all say I couldn't do it without God. And it's only the pride of men's heart that say we can't do it with God. Would you stand with me, please? The last thing that we're going to do in God's kingdom is suffer for it. You might say, Pastor, that's not a high note to end on. But it, it's a note to end on, nonetheless. Because it's in the Bible. So just turn there with me. Maybe it's something that it's good to end on because you'll remember it. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5. Uh, Rachel, would you come, please? Chapter 1, verse 5. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you'll be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those of you who are troubled and to us as well. That's an encouragement, isn't it? But how is he going to pay them back? Get ready for this. It's one of the most terrifying descriptions of the second coming you'll ever hear. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believed and are our testimony. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of His calling, and that by His power, He may fulfill every good and purpose of yours in every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in Him, 
according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. Amen. What is God saying to us today? We need to be like children. And we need to do things like warriors. Be like children, but do things like a warrior. And what's going to happen when you start doing that? You're going to suffer. I wish that I could tell you as a pastor that living for God is always a bed of roses. And it's always a time when you're just oh so happy. But that's not the truth, is it? And then it would be actually a lie and it would be wrong of me to tell you that, wouldn't it? Because then you would leave from here and you would say, Pastor told me I'm not supposed to have any problems anymore. Why am I suffering? And then you know what you would probably do? You would probably quit. You know how many Christians I've met? You know, when I go out witnessing on the streets and I'm like, why aren't you going to church anymore? And my, they say, my life got so hard. I prayed and God didn't answer me. Because they got in their mind that if they just prayed one time, it was always going to happen. Or that if somehow they gave their life to Jesus, that all the problems of the world would disappear. And that if that didn't happen, then somehow God was a liar. Now, now the whole thing is false. It's like, I don't believe in the Easter Bunny. I don't believe in God. But He told us, you'll suffer. Why? Two reasons. Number one is you will always have that sinful nature until you die. So while you're trying to be like a child, everything inside of you is going to say, be like a sinner. And you know what the first sin of the Bible is? Pride. I don't need God. God said you can have this whole garden. Come on, use your imagination. Think about this whole garden is yours. He says you can have it. But here's the deal. We do it my way. Don't eat from that one tree. Just that one. That's, that's your way of obeying me. Because Some people say, well, why did he put that there? That's kind of root of God. No, that was God's way of saying you have a choice every day. And look at the comparison. A garden or one tree. That was their choice. It's like a million dollars to a penny. And what do they do? They go over there. Instead of being children, naked, not even knowing it, in the glory of God, walking with Jesus in the cool of the day, the Bible says. They go over there and the devil tells them, the serpent says this to them. If you eat of this, you'll become just like God. And at that moment, it wasn't good enough being the child of God. They wanted to be God. And what's the heart of everything we do in, in life as a sinner? Why is the person steal? Because they think it's theirs. They want to be God. Why does the person commit adultery? Because they want to be God and take that person as their wife. God didn't give them that person. Why do people murder? Because they want to be God and choose who lives and dies. I mean, I can go through every sin. It always comes back down to man wanting to be God. Why aren't there people in church worshiping God? Because they want to be their own God, worship their own selves and their own idols on TV and call it sports or whatever else they call it. In the malls, fashion, all of that. It's all man being God. So the number one challenge that you and I are going to face in suffering is every day, who is God? Are you God and you're in control? Or are you a child of God and He's in control? There will be days where that will come so easy to you. There might be some of you right now that's going, Doug, come on, that is so easy, Pastor. I don't even struggle with that. Give, give it some more time. I've been doing this for about 13 years and I just go in seasons. 
Sometimes it's so easy, then after that, whoop, everything flips and goes upside down. I'm trying to figure out why do I want to take control of the wheel? What happened? And all of a sudden I realized this bill, this, my friend said this, and all of a sudden I want to grab the wheel back and say, this is my life, God. You get in the back seat. That's the way we think about it, isn't it? God, you get in the back seat. We still want you in the car, but you get in the back seat. Now, you know how you ride through life? Some people say Jesus is my co-pilot. No, no, no. Jesus ain't sitting here. Let me tell you, you, get, you go through life. You pull the car over. You get out the car. You say, Jesus, I'm going to let you handle this. You push the trunk button. You go inside the trunk. And you shut it. Or, according to our example today, you give him the keys. You go in the back seat. Buckle yourself in that child's seat. And you just let him go wherever he wants to go. Because Bethany don't tell me where I'm going. She just buckles down and that's it. You'll go to sleep after a while. So the number one struggle is to let God be God. I'm telling you, that's it. What's the second one? Is you're going to face an adversary called the devil in everything you try to do. When you step out in faith and say, I'm going to have a marriage, the devil's going to attack the marriage. When you want to do something great for God, young people, you want to start a Bible study at school, you want to have friends to your house, the moment you do that, the devil's going to attack you. You're going to face an adversary because you're at battle, you're at war. The moment I said I was going to start this church, all hell broke loose. You understand? And it's not always easy. But I've made a decision. I will go forward no matter what. And as the Bible comforted me and told me, and it's telling you today, that no matter what you suffer, know that God is with you. And let Him fight the battle for you. Because in the end, He will judge the earth and He will rightly judge you. And we will be with Him for eternity. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for the congregation that You brought here today to hear this Word. I pray now, God, You bless them with being and doing the right things in the kingdom. God, I pray for those that are here right now that are having a hard time giving You control. God, oh, how I know how that feels. God, I pray that they will let go and let You take over. God, I pray addictions break off in this place today. God, I pray for depression to break off. All those trying to be free, let God touch you right now. Some of you just need to throw up your hands and say, I surrender. Jesus, all to Thee I surrender all. My beautiful Savior, I surrender. God, I pray, God, for surrendered lives today. Because, God, there are some things we will not receive until we're humble like a child. Until we just know how to come to our knees and ask Daddy for help. And now, Lord, I pray, and those of you who need to keep praying on that, keep praying. But now I'm going to pray for those that need to be doers. God, I pray for courage in my heart and every heart here that, Lord, we will not give up doing right. That, Father God, no matter what we suffer, no matter what comes our way, we will keep doing the right things. We'll read the Bible. We'll pray. We'll go out preaching. We'll do family devotions. We'll keep tithing. Oh, Father God, we'll serve. We'll come early. Stay. All those things you told us to do. Make disciples. Go to the nations. Preach to our neighbors. God, we'll do those things if you'll give us power. If you'll give us power from on high. Right now, some of you need it like I do. Just raise your hand and say, I receive a fresh, fresh and filling of the power. Oh, Jesus, from the head to our toes, God. Fresh, fresh. God, I need it again. Baptize me again, Holy Ghost. Jesus. 
Jesus. Before we go out of this place today, this is what I'm going to ask us to do. I've prayed for you. I've preached to you. I'm going to ask you to get into your ministry groups today and confess to your leader whatever you need help in today. Adults, go to the small group leader before you go. Just please honor them.